Hello and welcome to the Real Life Sports Show. This podcast is for sports fans, whether you're playing it, interested in it or looking to learn from high achievers. My name is Sam Adams. I'm known as the Real Life Coach. I'm a business owner and a life coach and I work with sports professionals, athletes, coaches and people in and around the industry. I help those people live more expansively, more authentically, so that they can enhance their performance, whether that's playing their game or living their real life. My background is in business. I've been in business for over 20 years in property. I've mentored and coached in that industry, and that led me into being a life coach. I'm super passionate about sports, and that's what led me to working in that industry and creating this podcast. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking to some amazing human beings, some elite athletes and people from that industry. We're going to be talking about the glory, the glamour, the achievements and the medals. But we're also going to go to the real life bit, behind the scenes, what it really takes to excel. We're going to talk about the guts, the determination, the grit and the grime. For you, the listener, you're going to get some great takeaways and insight, whether you're looking to achieve for yourself around your mindset or your personal development. This is the podcast for you. So if you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to leave me a five-star review and any comments you have. So here we go, the Real Life Sports Show. Right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are here with another episode in this new podcast, my new podcast called The Real Life Sports Show. Um, this is just like when this lady popped up on Clubhouse, we'll probably tell you this story. She popped up in a room, I was talking about football, and I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan, and she popped up, and I was just like, oh my God, yeah, I've got to ask her if she's going to come on my podcast. So I'm really delighted and happy to say she agreed, and I'm really happy to say that Katie Chapman is joining me today. Good afternoon. Afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. It's actually sunny today, so... Um, it's sunny in the rule of six. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, amazing. That's like, when the sun's out, we're just happier, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, to wake up to the sunshine, absolutely. Yeah, well, I am, definitely. So Katie Chapman, Arsenal Chelsea legend, um, in my eyes anyway, um, and many other eyes, by the way. Um, former England footballer, Chelsea, Arsenal, I think you played at Charlton and... and Fulham. And, yeah, you played, you played for quite a long time and you played mostly London clubs, um, is what I noticed. I didn't yeah. actually know you ever played for Charlton and um Fulham I just knew the Chelsea and Arsenal stuff obviously but um, maybe we'll get into some of that but anyway welcome to the podcast thank you it's, it's good to be here I think it's yeah, it's nice to obviously talk about my experiences because I've retired now so it's nice to sort of talk about my experiences in football yeah we'll, we'll, we'll probably come on to the retirement stuff and see how you're managing that because um you know I'm a life coach to sports professionals and some of the things that we you know we get in discussions around is career coming to an end whether that's through injury or through natural sort of obviously you know you're coming to the end of your career and, and how athletes manage that so it'd be interesting to hear your experiences of that but I guess always a good place to start is really at the beginning and um, you know how you got into football and, and at what age did you first start kicking a ball around? Uh, to be quite honest you have no idea I ended up in football I think just planning <laughs> playground to be honest with you I, uh, I danced from the age of five um, then I got into swimming actually in primary school 
um, and started competing for the school. And then I ended up just playing football in the playground. I'm a twin, so there was two of us. And uh, we sort of dominated the playground with the boys. Um, yeah, just joined in the play. Because I was quite active anyway. And obviously, sport was one of the dominant football was one of the dominant sports in the playground. I think I just wanted to be involved. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, started playing and sort of pretty quickly realised I had some sort of natural talent uh, within that. Um, and actually, was lucky enough that in the school for PE, we had a coach come in to take a football lesson. Oh. And he was actually the manager, Jim Hicks, at Mill Linus's at that point. So ah. he actually ran the women's team. Um, so I was then asked to join a, a girls team, obviously, pretty quickly. Yeah. So from the age sort of 11, I started playing football, which is actually quite late when you consider these days how young girls are playing um, yeah. in the game. So it was quite late. But yeah, it progressed from there. Was there a lot of like when obviously you clearly you had a lot of sort of natural sport and ability. And I think that's, you know, certainly some of the athletes that I speak to and work with, there, there is always that prowess of a lot of sports you're pretty good at. And it sounds like you were no different. Is your, was your twin quite sporty as well? Or is? Yeah, well, we played football together up until probably the age of 16. And then sort of she, we sort of switched teams. I sort of moved on into the, into the senior team and she mm. sort of stayed in the reserve team. Mm. Um, but yeah, we played up to, to quite a point, really. But now she doesn't play at all, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you, was it, was it encouraged, I guess, you in school, like before Jim came in and took your lessons and, you know, just to play in football with the boys and stuff like that? Or was it, you know, how, how was it for you back then? No, it was always quite hard. I thought girls should never play football. That were the comments I got a lot of the times. Girls shouldn't play football, you know, mm. should be there playing whatever, with a skipping rope or whatever you should be doing you know, yeah. hopscotch or that sort of stuff you know but no I mean I wanted to be I enjoyed the physical part of the game and I think that was you know what it was that competing that that challenging side of it that sort of and I think because there was two of us it probably made it easier I think if I stood alone it might have been a bit more difficult but I think because there was two of us I sort of let a lot of stuff go in my head and you know yeah. just miss a lot of it and just continue to play so but I know obviously there is still a lot of that going on these days when I speak to obviously primary school kids and stuff like that and it's a shame that girls are still being told you know you shouldn't be playing football or the yeah. boys are dominating all that or not allowing them to play so it's it's quite sad to still hear that yeah it is you know it, it's it's surprising like I'm, I'm a lot older than you and um I played football I played in a girls team outside of school it wasn't in school at all I didn't play in school at all I did athletics and yeah. um yeah, I, I don't know how I even managed to find this club. Someone just said to me, oh, well, yeah, there's a girls team. You can come play football. And it was just so rare. I mean, it was it was a joke, really. <laughs> you know, it was just hilarious what we used to do. And eight of us in a car, you know, bundled up to get to a match wearing God knows what we had. The kit was just shambolic. Um, yeah. But it was good fun. And the community feel of it was amazing. But it was certainly encouraged. And it was very, you know, it wasn't encouraged at all. It was very yeah. difficult. And it saddens me, like... You know, I spoke to Jess Fishlock not that long ago. I had her on my other podcast. And, um, yeah, she was talking about how difficult it was for her. And here we are in 2021. And actually, we're, we're still here. And we've still got a long way to go with, yeah. you know, girls and young women playing football, rugby, cricket even, you know, which is it's such a shame. And that's one of my passions is really changing things changing yeah. things for young girls that it's okay to get sweaty to get dirty to get physical um you know just get out there and play some sport and actually have the visibility of women's sport um increase because right now 
um, it is shocking, you know, really statistically, globally, you know, the amount of attention women get on sport is just compared to the men is just, yeah, shocking. So it is quite sad, but I, I want to kind of maybe just divert really quickly because I'm wondering if your role at Chelsea, because you're now an ambassador, right, for yeah. Chelsea, how does, does that play, how does that role work and what does that entail? Does that have anything to do with the visibility of the game and stuff like that? Yeah, I do a lot of, obviously, the primary school stuff for the women's game. Um, a lot of getting into primary schools, inspirational speaking. Um, it's funny because, obviously, I was the first female ambassador within the club. So there was obviously right. four male ambassadors. Um, so I was the first one to obviously take that role. And it was, mm. you know, seen as how we're going to do this. But naturally, I'm just a female and I'll do the same role as the males will do. Right. So it took a little while to get into that. But I think now we're in it. I'm just treated as an ambassador. There's not, you know, no male mm. or female just an ambassador we do the same job whether it be you know signings at Stamford Bridge and stuff like that so I'm now just put in as an ambassador and to whatever event they want me to do really right. um yeah obviously it's inspirational speaking to girls and it's not just girls it's boys as well I think it's important that we you know we don't just go and just aim at a certain you know group of, of girls and think it's important that we educate the boys as well yeah in that side of it and I think being a parent as well with three boys <laughs> yeah. I mean like my kids know no different, you know, like they train, there's a girl that plays in Zachary's tomb who's eight and he thinks nothing of it. And they train right. when they go training, there's loads of girls within the session that train with them and they don't bat an eyelid of it. And I think that's hopefully what we're progressing to, to go to move forward. Yeah. And it's that, it's that grassroots level though of education as well, isn't it? That, you know, like you say, for you, your boys don't know any different, um, but sadly that's not a case in a lot of households and, and, and a lot of grassroots pitches, you know, it's like, you know, girls yeah. shouldn't be playing football and, it's that education and you're right you know we don't need to just get the message out to the girls we need to get the message out to everyone that that's okay for girls to play sport whether it's football or rugby or, or no, whatever is, is one of my boys obviously played netball in school and the same situation occurred so he obviously he played he trained with the girls and that as a mixed group but when it came to competing he couldn't play in the games right yeah so I spoke to the teacher I was like hang on a minute like I play football you know and I've heard all my whole career girls shouldn't yeah. play football now you're telling me my son can't play netball like yeah. you know it's, it's just a sport and we should be free to do yeah. whichever sport we choose to do whatever that looks like did you manage to overturn that no I didn't <laughs> and then it's funny because they moved to secondary school and they don't actually play netball they play basketball the boys uh, that's really interesting that's what I'm saying so there's a lot to change within the whole process of the sports system like it's you know it's very certain sports are very dominant to certain sexes which they is, are yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it, with football and rugby and cricket as well. Uh, you know, they're seen as very male-dominated sports. You know, football is yeah. our national game. And the same, you're right, with netball, it is seen as a more female sport, isn't it? And yeah. does your son now play basketball? He does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's funny. Yeah. He's really good at netball, really good. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, it's a shame that you can't pursue something because, you know, yeah. it's not a female sport. And I'm not even sure how much male netball there is. I know there yeah. is some, but yeah. I don't know what the league is like or anything like that. So you've, yeah. given, me, you've given me a little bit of a quest, Dude. actually. I'm going to find yeah. out a bit more about that because <laughs> uh, I like that idea. All right, cool. We'll, we'll come back a little bit. So, yeah, so you obviously, like I say, got into it when you were young. So where, you got picked up then because with Millwall because of Jim coming into school and doing the PE classes. School, yeah, when he asked to go and meet, uh, to join, obviously, Millwall and is where I started in the under-12s. Yeah. Um, and progress through the under 12s, under 14s, because they had a structure actually in place. Because obviously, Mill and Essex back then were 
one of the dominant teams, funny enough. Were they actually part of main Millwall club back then? Are they still on? I don't know. Yeah, we could so Millwall in the community. Yeah. So Jim used to work for Millwall in the community, same same as some of the players as well that were in the team. Um, So yeah, it was always driven from the den, funny enough. Um, Yeah, Yeah. so it was well, it's a good setup. Yeah, that's that's because what we're talking about, what year was that roughly? Do you know roughly how long ago that was? Because I know you're about, you're late 30s, I think, aren't you? Yeah, it was like 90, probably about 93, something like that. 94. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, that's... And so what was the league like then? What was it like? Because obviously you pro- you progressed pretty quick, didn't you? You yeah. started playing really early on in the main team. Yeah, obviously Arsenal were in the, the, the league then. Obviously uh, Donny Bells, Tramir Rovers. Mm. You know, it's, it's very different to what it is now. Yeah, really. yeah. I mean, you've got the big names, obviously, in there now, but we had the smaller clubs. And, and the same thing, like, we travelled to games, we'd go in a minibus, you'd fit, like, 15 players and 15 bags. Yeah. In a minibus to travel to Tramia Rovers, which was, yeah, it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> there was no space to breathe, you know? You were just yeah. all sitting on top, top of each other because the bags were taking up four seats at the back. Yeah, It yeah. was horrendous circumstances. But you know what? You loved playing and it, it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's the love of the game and you just love your sport. You 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 don't know any different at that time, do you? I mean, I wish I think the thing is now the trick for the young players coming in now who you know go in who are clearly talented and go straight into some of these great teams like Man United and Chelsea and stuff, and they have no clue about what that no. what that would be like. It would be great to take them in a little time machine and go, have a little bit of this and see what we had to go yeah, you through. You were never given a tracksuit, you were never given a bag. You know, yet sometimes you actually even rotate the kit so you yeah. take over and go mom I've got the kit this week well, yeah we <laughs> like, did that like those sort of little things you know like that yeah made it happen on a Sunday yeah it's a it's a very very different world these days yeah. very different so what how old were you when you first played your first um proper game as it were back then <laughs> Well, so I played obviously under 12s in the league, under 14s mm. in the league. When I was 14, that's when I made my first uh, senior appearance. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, yeah. This is the year we won the FA Cup and the League Cup. Yeah. 97, I think that was. Wow. Who did you beat in the FA Cup? Do you remember? Uh, Wembley. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, Wembley, it was 1-0. Yeah, I didn't even remember them. Yeah, Wembley. Well, Hope oh. played for Wembley, didn't she? And Yeah. <laughs> yes. She okay. did. Yes, yeah, because yeah. she's uh, Brighton. I live in Brighton, so she's yeah. a Brighton manager. I'm desperate yeah. to get her on my podcast. I haven't managed it yet, but hopefully I will. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, she did. Yeah, God, you reminded me now. Blimey. Yeah, it's a heck of a journey. So was it, did you, was there ever a, I always ask this question, but was there a pivotal moment for you when you sort of thought, actually, I'm really good at this and I think I can fucking make something of myself out of this game or was it you never really had though that moment no I think the turning point was not about obviously me personally whether I was good enough it was obviously getting into the senior team quite young and winning my first FA Cup I mean we played Upton Park I think it was and there was three and a half thousand people there mm. um, and I think at that moment getting my hands on that trophy I was like oh my god I want more of this feeling yeah I think it was that that drove me. It was that right. that winning the trophies and having that adrenaline rush and that feeling of, oh my God, we've just won a trophy. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely inspired me to want to want to do it more. Brilliant. That's amazing. Because you did during that time and you, you won sort of the FA Young Player of the Year a couple of times as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Your... It was a bit of a yeah, whirlwind. It went 
everything seemed to move really, really quickly. And it was just, I think it was just trying to soak it all up. And, you know, I was always one of them was always quite grounded. I sort of, you know, I wanted to get better, I wanted to improve. I'd learn yeah. any opportunity. And if I turn up to training, I'll turn up there to train. I didn't turn up there to mess about or to be, I'll turn up there to train. And if I didn't have a good session, I'd go on with the ump. <laughs> it was, it was like a vicious cycle. Like, I need to have a good session or, you know, and I'd make sure I'd, if, I'd make sure I did because I didn't want to go with that feeling where I felt like, oh, that weren't great. You know, yeah. I don't know how to rectify it, but yeah. Because you, I, I think you know, like this is completely my perspective. I always saw you as a very serious player, as someone very physical um, yeah. and very driven. I guess that's, that's probably you know, and I don't know you, you know, but just from outside looking in, that's how I saw you. So actually, you describing that about yourself doesn't surprise me because. Yeah. I think that's the kind of person I thought, you know. I think it was from a young age as well. Obviously, being at Millwall, Jim used to say to us, if you messed about in the session, you were out of the session, get out. Right. That was like, you went training, you went to train seriously. Otherwise, you weren't training, you were going home. And you just spent all that time getting there on the buses and that sort of stuff. To be sent home would be devastating. So I think that's where I sort of picked it up from, you know. If I'm training, I'm training properly. Yeah, awesome. Good work ethic instilled in you. Yeah. I mean, what, so what happened after Millwall? You went, was that Fulham straight after Millwall or did you go to Charlton? Yeah, straight to Fulham. Yeah, I went to Fulham. Um, obviously got offered to become a professional. Yeah, because um, that must have been your first pro contact, contract, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah. and it was unbelievable. I think to, to be asked, yeah, to go and sign um, professionally, I mean, no one's going to turn that down, you know, mm. to do something you absolutely love as a career. Yeah. especially back then when football you know it was an amateur game it was mm. you know it wasn't even semi-pro it was an amateur game you sort of paid mm. to play and you you know you got on with it so it was tough because I was a middle then I think eight years so mm. obviously leaving a club that I was obviously I'd grown up in you mm. know my trophies in was was a difficult decision but also you know where do I want to take my career I've got an opportunity to be a professional where you know I'm going to improve myself because I'm going to be training every day you mm. know around players that are going to be really really good so yeah. I chose to, you know, progress my career. So that, that's the glory bit, isn't it? Like you've won all these trophies, FA Young Player of the Year, and then you get your, you know, you get your pro contract. But what changed for you getting that pro contract? What did your days look like? What was, because obviously this show is about what goes on behind being yeah. a top athlete. What, 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 you know, yeah. How did your life look? What was your day-to-day life like from then on? Well, it was great. Obviously, we had a structure. We knew what, what we were doing. We obviously trained six days a week. Yeah. Um, we trained on a Monday. We had a double session on a Tuesday. Wednesdays was always an off day. Double mm. session again on a Thursday. Trained on Friday. Sort of set pieces on a Saturday and then played on a Sunday. So it was, you know, we knew what that looked like. And, you know, it was so much fun because you got to be, you got to play football and to, you know, do something you love and to be around your friends in the end because you create that bond with you know new people and you mm. create new friendships and stuff like that so to be around yeah great people and and do something you love I mean you know no one would say no to that <laughs> what, and what was life like outside of football because I think what I discovered speaking to a few athletes is that there's, there is this bubble um you know within your sport whether that's an af- athletics or whatever and and then there's everything else yeah. Um, was it like that for you? Did it feel like that? No, I think I was quite, I, I enjoyed like, obviously playing. And then I, I was good, always really good at splitting the two, mm. dividing the two. Um, and I felt I became better at that when I became a parent. So obviously mm. my last year at Fulham, I got pregnant and had my first child at 20. 
and I became better at that. I became better at going and doing my job. And then when I got home, I became mum. So I think for me, it kept me quite sane because I was able to do that. I was able to separate and not take my job home with me. Yeah. I did what I needed to do while I was at work. And then when I got home, you know, I could focus and be someone else. Yeah. So I think that was quite good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's one thing that you've done that, you know, it's very tricky to do, you know, have a family and then come back from that and, and, and get to that level again. Cause obviously like you say, you were very young when you had your first child yeah. and you came back, how long did you take out? Like a year was it? I think I, I can't. I trained funny enough. I trained all the way through my pregnancy. So because I was a problem, I obviously had the aid of a, a physio there and the doctors and stuff like that who were monitoring me and put me a, a program together. So I actually trained, I think it was two weeks before my due date, which was obviously, I actually trained outside where the girls kicking a ball up to about just before six months until mm. I, my balance sort of became a yeah. little bit now, you know, and then I moved into swimming and in the gym on the bike and stuff like that. So I continued to obviously train throughout that, obviously good medical help and mm. attention paid to, to what I was doing. Um, mm. And that allowed me to get back pretty quickly. After yeah. I had, had my first child, it allowed me to, after my six weeks check, I think it was, and they gave me the all clear. I was like, right, I'm ready to go. And wow. Really? Went, yeah. Went from there. And then my mindset switched then. It's like, right, I need to get myself back into club football. And then I need to get myself back into international football. So that was my mindset. I always set myself up like this is my target. Set myself yeah. up to, yeah, motivate myself and get myself back. And, and I mean, I don't know how it worked back then because I was, I can't remember who's just signed a pro contract somewhere, but there I think it's in America. I think it's Alex Morgan and she's got this new contract and, you know, there's maternity leave in it. And it's, you know, I think she's got something like 18 months maternity leave in, in her contract. And it, I think it was quite groundbreaking for that. I, I, how was that work at Fulham? Was that okay at the time? Did, you know, continue to get paid and maternity leave and all, was it all just I did you know, as it should be? Paid. Yeah. Funny enough, yeah. I did t- continue to get paid and, um, I think it took as much time as I wanted to take off in the end. So maternity leave, obviously football is very different, isn't it? Mm. To going back to a natural job. I mean, I wanted to get back to playing football because for mm. me, that was sort of my sanity. That was my, you know, that was me. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I think it was driven, obviously, when I was ready to go back, I wanted to go back rather than taking the full lump of maternity leave. So I was obviously paid up to a certain point and then I sort of returned. Mm. Um, obviously on my return was then when the pro contract sort of ended. So we went to a semi-pro um status but I, yeah I played the, the season and it was it was fun oh cool so I did yeah so what happened when then you say because you know um, for the listeners that might not understand that so you were pro but then it went to semi-pro so what what happened there how did that all play so, out? I had uh, put money into Fulham women's team for three years in hope mm. that uh, other teams in the league would be able to follow and become professional mm. obviously back then in the game it wasn't going to happen. There wasn't, you know, enough money within the game. There wasn't enough clubs associated with really good men's club that were thriving. Mm. Uh, and it just wasn't possible. So I think after that three years, once we got to there, then obviously we had to return back to, to semi-professional basis uh, mm. based on the three-year programme that he'd put in place. Unfortunately, um, mm. we couldn't progress from. But, you know, I think it, w- it was good to... to showcase that part of it that you can become you know professional but it does obviously take a lot of investment into it to you know to get a whole league running yeah absolutely yeah just not one team <laughs> yeah how how so you got taken by Charlton 
Um, you went from, yeah, so I thought it was the other way around. Yeah, so you went Fulham, Charlton. How, how long were you at Charlton and, and Fulham? I think were you Two couple... years. The funny thing was to that is that I actually lived close to Charlton. <laughs> so I was <laughs> my first child um, and I wanted to be with my baby. I didn't want to spend loads of time travelling back and forth places. Charlton was actually around the corner. So for me, it sort of worked well. Five minutes to training, yeah. you know, and I could get back home. Because obviously then we were training late, you know, like eight till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to go to training, be able to get there in five, ten minutes, train, mm. come home, you know, and then start the next day. So for me, um, it was great to, to obviously be in a new club, mm. sort of a different challenge for me as well in that environment, um, but also be close to home for, for my first child. Yeah. Who was manager back then at Charlton? Keith, Keith Bonus. Oh, and Matt okay. Beard, actually, who is the Bristol manager now, was the yeah. assistant. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Because so, then, obviously, from Charlton, you went to the greatest team of the land, Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> and you did bloody well at Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Good, good run at Arsenal. There's a funny story to that, too, because, obviously, when I played for whatever team I played for, and we played against Arsenal, obviously, me and Jane Ludlow were always known for, you know, being quite physical, quite, mm. quite aggressive towards each other. And there was nothing <laughs> you No, know, everything was on the pitch. It always stayed on the pitch. Yeah. But, I, yeah, for me, going to Arsenal, I was terrified. I was thinking, what is she going to think of me? Like, she's either going to two-foot me in training or we're either going to get on so well that we, we create some bond that's going to be unbreakable. Yeah. And I think it was. I got there the first session. And do you know what? She was lovely. Yeah. You know, we sort of laughed about the challenges we've done because she'd give me stud marks on my chest. She'd pull my hair. You know, <laughs> I'd give her a few scrapes down the shins and ankles. And stuff, so we laughed all those sort of things that, you know happened on the pitch but stayed on the pitch so and in the end we created such a great relationship together like we made the midfield in the Arsenal team yeah. because we got on so so well and we were both so aggressive and so the way we played you know you we dominated were, that midfield though absolutely but we were so similar yeah. in the way we were and we, we were such winners and I think going into that Arsenal team with so much experience mm. around us and a winning mentality like, oh my god I learned absolutely new things in that club that yeah. I've never I've never known and to be around such quality players I mean absolutely improved me yeah no it's, it was well great days back then great days I mean you touched on then about that winning mentality and um you know I I, I talk about winning mindset and win mentality all the time yeah um it's, it's, a, it's a subject I talk a lot about do you for you, do you feel like it was almost like innate in you or is it something you kind of worked on, you know, to improve? You know, I think it is. I think within a team environment, I think it's trust in the people around you. And I never, ever doubted any one of our players on the pitch, their quality. Mm. I mean, even if we went behind in games, I'm like, you know what, we'll be all right here because we've got enough, you know, quality within this team. We've got the winning mentality and we pushed and pushed and pushed and we would never, ever go down without a fight. Mm. I think it was, you know, I, I think I was just brought into that. I think I had it anyway, but I was brought into that where there were so many more of them that were exactly the same yeah. mindset that made us, yeah, it's just an unbelievable team. Yeah, yeah. Incredible team, incredible times, quadruple and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Well, um, obviously, I don't, I can't remember the ages between your children. So obviously you had your first child when you were very young, 20. When, how old were you when you had your second child and where were you playing? Last one, obviously, uh, Riley's 12 now. So what was that, 90, what would that have been? 
It's 12, 2000. Where are we? Eight, 2008, sorry, 2008. Yeah, 2008. 2008. Um, I had him at oh, Arsenal. I was at Arsenal. Well, at my second. Yeah, I was at Arsenal. Funny enough, because I was training, and I remember the girls used to be terrified. I'm like, look, I'm fine. I play again. <laughs> great, because no one could tackle me. So it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I scored yeah. plenty of goals, because no one could come <laughs> near me. Um, but yeah, the girls always say that it was, they was terrified out of their life. You know, something's going to happen. I'll get her. Or yeah, I can imagine. Can imagine. It is. You know, you got to be be sensible. With that. And I think I was always sensible in that situation. Um, yeah, and then I had my third one in 2013. Yeah. So what, what? What? one was hardest to come back from? Because you've come back from all of them. Which? Oh, I'd say my last one, to be quite honest. Really? Because I got that bit older. I was that yeah. bit older. I was only in my thirties. After my second one, I mean, I think I was the fittest I've ever, ever been, really? which is really weird because obviously looked into the research of that and it obviously your hemoglobin and, and stuff like your, your ability to carry oxygen obviously goes up by about 50%. Wow. So if you think that goes up anyway, we're just carrying a baby, yeah, exercising while carrying a baby, like, you know, I'm making my body work even harder. Yeah. So really interesting. And I did, I came back and I remember doing a fitness test and I think I was like the second highest and I was like, how the hell have I just done that? <laughs> Like, I've just had a baby not long ago. How the hell have I done I that? I never knew that. I never knew and that. it was unbelievable. But I think, yeah, the older you get, the harder it is. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's changing, you know. Everything's a little bit harder the older you get. Yeah. Um, but was you know the... what? I, I pushed myself through it. Yeah, just keen to get back. Yeah, just loved playing football. And I think having the breaks, obviously, having my children gave me, uh, you know, the hunger as well to get back to play. Mm. You know, because sometimes you can play football for a long, long time and it becomes a little bit like, oh... Hmm. I think having them break away from football gave me the hunger to come back and want to be better and want to keep progressing. Yeah, absolutely. Did you did you like with your third? Because obviously you like you say you're in your thirties. Then was there was there ever any doubt that you were going to come back? Was it always just yeah, no, I'm going back, and there was no no question of it. I think being pregnant is always a question. I mean, you don't know how it's going to go. You don't know what complications you're going to face within that. You don't know what it's going to look like after, how your body reacts and all that sort of stuff. So there's always a worry in the back of your mind, I think, of those things. Um, Mm. I think for me, my pregnancies, I was lucky enough that they were quite straightforward. I kept myself fit throughout them, which allowed me to get back quicker. And yeah, all three sort of went to plan and allowed Mm. me to continue doing what I was doing um, and and continue on my journey. So I know it's not always straightforward for everybody. So you know, for me, I was lucky. No, and it's it's really interesting. I was really keen to talk to you about, you know, having the children because, you know, there is a bit of talk in the media about, you know, you know, women having children and then coming back to, you know, to play at such a high level, which you've done three times, which is fascinating. You know, we talk about Serena Williams coming back from tennis and there's a few tennis players and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how tough it must be, but actually for you... (laughs) it's sort of like it became normal <laughs> yeah it's just like well yeah it's all right it's all but right. Was so nice to hear so many more women talking about it about having children and coming back to play again and coming back to you know the level they want to be at because you know what it's not impossible no and it's always a taboo way when you're pregnant you shouldn't exercise and that sort of stuff like and yes you have to be careful and yes you have to your doctors and your midwife and stuff like that to get the clearance that you're okay to do it and mm. you know keep yourself safe but you know what it's it's good for you mentally and it's also good for the baby too you know it's good for your body to keep Mm. you in the right mindset um yeah yeah absolutely you know you know being physical is all about about the mindset for me you know 
I talk about that all the time about you know moving our bodies are designed to move whether yeah. you're an athlete or, or not whatever level you know whether that's walking you know every day or whatever you floats your boat it's just yeah. so important for our mindset and giving us clarity of thought but it's it's really good to hear your experiences and um you know that actually you can do this you can mm-hmm. be a mother and come back and um you know be f- even fitter <laughs> yeah and uh, you know you know but it's just so good to hear those stories and I really do want to speak to more women that you know you know have had children and come back to 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 do whatever their sport is at high level you know Serena Williams won the uh, Australian Open I think it was while she was pregnant obviously no one knew she knew um it's incredible you know you know it's a big deal because you, there's so much that happens to your body throughout pregnancy yeah you know it's a big deal and it's actually dangerous having yeah. a baby you know like it's not yeah. just something you sort of dismiss it's actually you know it's a, it's a lot for us yeah and to, yeah to be able to come back after that is a big deal yeah absolutely and that's why i, I just don't i don't know anyone else um that's done it three times i'm sure there is but I don't know that person. So if anyone's listening to this knows, then please let me know. Because that's what one of the reasons I was keen to have you on. It was just like, because I know that you've got three kids and have come back from it. I just think it's incredible, really. Um, and the, to have the drive and determination as well to do it. Um, you know, you spent a year, I think, in the States, right? Was it a year? Yeah. yeah. So where were you? Was you know, Had you had two kids by that point? or Two kids by that point, yeah. One yeah. was one and a half he turned two funny enough Riley over there in 2010 that was Mm. um yeah it was hard I think for me obviously that I didn't want to turn down that experience because I wanted to go and do it I think I'd be great if I'd have turned down um experience that so I went over and experienced yes it was hard obviously taking a family over there being quite isolated in a new country you know a new team and stuff like that Mm. I found that quite difficult being away from my family um but I made it work obviously I was here for a season it was great experience for the kids um to 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 be experienced in another country really and, mm. and a, you know way of life um and it was a great experience i think experiencing the league over there i mean it's you know fitness for them is is massive mm. and grateful enough i was actually quite fit <laughs> doing quite well um but yeah it was a it was a fun experience it was it was something i, I don't regret at all how did, how did that come about was it did they just scout you and well, Emma Hayes, uh, who obviously is a Chelsea manager now, we've experienced obviously a lot of teams together. She was at Arsenal when I was there. She was an assistant coach. Um, mm. Then she went over obviously to Chicago and she ran that team. Karen Carney also went over there from Arsenal. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. She went over there from Arsenal for the first season and then I was asked for the second season to go. Yeah, there was someone else there as well. I can't think who it is now. No, it's gone now. Can't think a bit, but I, I, yeah, I remember actually. Yeah, that's really interesting. I forgot it was Emma that was there. And yeah, yeah, interesting. So you don't regret doing that, even though it was just a season. No, and you know what? I wish I could have stayed there longer. But the hard thing about the league out there is that you can get traded at any point. Right. So I think me having a family, you know, and sitting there thinking, oh, I could be traded to whatever state. That was quite hard as well, because you'd see teams like players in your team and then they'd be there one day and the next time, like, oh, they've been traded to so-and-so. And oh, right. Like, you know, like, and they'd be gone just like that. She was yeah, a bit yeah. like, hang on a minute. And I think for that for me, it also was like, hang on a minute, if I get traded, you know, I'm moving my kids from one place to another, to a different school to, you yeah. know, and that, it's, it's quite hard. It's yeah. Quite... It was a big, big move to move your whole family over and yeah, do that. And then think, 
oh, am I going to be here next week? Or yes, you know, dealing with that mentally is, is quite tough, I should imagine. Yeah, and a lot of the travelling between games. I mean, you're obviously flying between mm. a lot of games and stuff like that as well. So that was hard too. Mm. Like travel mm. time and flying and it was yeah. a lot. Much bigger a- country <laughs> to yes. get, get yourself around. No minibuses. What, 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 do you, what was the setup like back then? Because we're talking like, obviously, that was about 10, 11 years ago. Um, and I know they're sort of trying to change the game and grow the game even more out there. Mm-hmm. What was it like back then, you know, a decade ago? Obviously, Emma was there. Yeah. Was that your first experience of working under Emma? No, she was the assistant at Arsenal, so I'd already known. Oh, of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. I knew yeah. it from Arsenal um, yeah. the year we won the quadruple. But yeah. um, no, it was, do you know, it was it was good out there. I mean, obviously, they'd set the league up. They did it a couple of times before where it had folded, obviously, with the investments and stuff like that into the league. And I think they were sort of learning how to, you know, build it and, and develop it and, and that sort mm. of stuff. But so I went over there when, you know, it was good. It was one of the leagues that everyone wanted to play in. Mm. Um, you had all different investors into the clubs. So I think it was quite hard, you know, and then they started to bring in obviously players from Europe and around the world into, into the thing. And then it, everything obviously cost more then, yeah. then, you know, players in from, from different nationalities and countries. Um, mm. And obviously it went, the year I left it obviously folded, I think the following year, Mm. ended up collapsing again so mm. I think I've been obviously I would have had to come home anyway mm. um but hopefully now they've got it the right way they sort of set it up and they're building you know yeah. what I think for us you know it's taken a long time to get our game to where it is but I think I always say as long as we keep progressing and even yeah. if that is bit by bit you know like don't expect leaps and bounds all of the time you know just mm. keep progressing and build it in the right way that we build a structure that is going to stay there yeah. No, it's something that's not, you know, on sand. It's going to sink or it's me. Just build the structure and then we can keep continue to keep building on it because, you know, if you go in all, you throw the money, you get everyone coming in and, and that mm. it just, you know, you've got to get stability first before anything yeah, else. Absolutely. You've got to do, you know, I talk about that stuff for ourselves on a personal level. That's what you yeah. do for yourself, you know, find your ground zero, find your foundation, your base camp yeah. and then build from there. Sadly, we, you know, we, a lot of us, we live in a world where we think the outside affects the inside when it's the other way around and if we do that in a bit find yeah. out who we are and understand who we are then you can really mm-hmm. understand who you can be and then you can go and fulfill that potential and it works in so many you can use yeah. it in so many parts of your life yeah, and business so yeah it makes total sense do, do you think you wouldn't have gone if it hadn't been for emma um I, oh, i'd always like to have gone mm. whether i would have got the opportunity to go i don't know um obviously emma knew me as a player Mm. Um, had that experience of me and felt that I'd fit into the team that she was building over there um mm. so who knows who yeah, knows you don't know, do you? You don't know. No. So, so let's t- touch on Chelsea with better ad what you know your days at Chelsea and obviously that's where you retired so you know you was it 2017-18 I think you retired okay, yeah. yeah yeah what's um what was that experience like for you um, it was a great experience, fun enough. Uh, I needed a new challenge. I think we've been at Arsenal. I think there was a few, obviously, players leaving that season that I left. Mm. Uh, and I felt like I needed something new, something different um, to get my teeth into. And obviously, uh, Emma was at Chelsea, you know, building building the team there. And I felt like I wanted to be part of that build um, mm. that experience new things. Um, the funny thing was, she asked me to be captain when I came over to the club. And I was a little bit like, uh, I've been sort of captain at Arsenal and 
you know, it was quite different there where you was just captain. You went out and did the art. You didn't do much more than that because it was sort of semi-professional. You didn't do much than all that. You went and wore the armband, you know, you led by yeah. example and that sort of stuff. She asked me to be the captain. I was like, mm, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I'm ready sort of to do that. Can you give me a little bit of time to think about it? So I took a bit of time. And I was like, you know what? Actually, I will do it because it might help me progress as a person. Yeah. So I was always quite shy, lacked a little bit of confidence. Really? It's fine. Go on the pitch, no problem. Yeah, I was one of them in a meeting. If you wanted to ask me a question, I'd want to get under the table. <laughs> well, as I came out the door. Yeah, on the football pitch. Though, like, yeah, yeah the eyes on me, I'm like, no. Yeah, made me wilt. Yeah. So the fourth year, being a captain of, you know, a great team, I said, oh, my God. But I took the opportunity. And to be fair, it did help me. It helped me grow as a person and yeah. as a leader. And I had a lot of learnings. You know, it, made, it brought me out of my shell because... I had to speak more. I had to lead meetings. I had to do that sort of stuff. And I learned to become a real captain. Mm. So it was a great personal experience for me. Um, and I think, yeah, seeing that, obviously that team progressed and develop and the players coming in and out and, you know, it was just improving continuously, mm. season after season and becoming really, really successful. I think being the captain as well and leading the girls out to in Wembley. Yeah. Um, history at Wembley for the first female team to play there was an absolute highlight of my career as well yeah and on that trophy yeah in such a big stadium in front of such a big crowd I mean it was unbelievable I never ever will forget it um but then yeah you just progress and you've seen how the team's progressed I mean you look at the team now oh my god absolutely frightening it's frightening I'm like it's just they're just so good they're so good from back to front you know They've just got players off the bench. They can point. You take one off, and you'd be if you was playing against, you'd be like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. You know, taken one player off, but they brought someone on with just as much quality as that person. Yeah. You know, like it's she's built something. I mean, it's taken a while to get to that point, but she's built yeah, a fantastic team. Yeah, but she's you know they've been doing great. They've been doing amazing, and you know I watched was it yesterday played or Saturday? I can't remember now. What day of week it is, but yeah, they they just Kirby and Kerr just like you know that partnership is incredible. Um, but you're right. They have got they've got an incredible team there. They really, really have. Uh, there's no there's no denying it. Um, what she's built there is is phenomenal. But she's very. She seems very. She knows exactly what she wants. What she expects. Um, you know, it's kind of a no no nonsense kind of lady is the impression that I get. Um, yeah, and it and takes that. time to build a team. You know, like it doesn't mm. just happen. You know, what you can be a good team to make a great team. You know, and get to where you want to get to. It takes it takes time and it takes time to build and to generate that cohesion between the team you know and, mm. and build a culture that everyone buys into and you know and and that's what she's done she's got to that point now where she's I think she's there mm. yeah no absolutely it's it's just yeah it's just golden right now it absolutely is golden what um I just want to touch on your sort of England career as well I can't sort of you know not let you talk about that and the impact that had on you when did you get your first call up for England Funny enough, I did when Ted Copeland uh, was the manager there. I did get a letter at 16 to ask me to go um, to England camp. I think at that point, I was terrified. I was thinking, I'm not ready just yet <laughs> to, to sort of make that that move. I was only 16, and I think I, I, all the players that were there were quite senior, and I was a bit like, mm, not quite sure yet. But um, um, yeah, when I was obviously 17, I was called called. I played in the under 18s, obviously. Um, mm. and they got called in. When I was 17, I made my debut at 17, um, which was, yeah, another big moment. <laughs> Obviously quite young. Um, 
playing in a team with so much experience. Um, I think my first game when I played it alongside Mo Marley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, and I think Jill Coulthard came off for me yeah. to go on in the yeah. centre-back position. So, you know, it's it was like, hang on. <laughs> yeah, it was quite daunting. But, um, yeah, I think even then, once I found my feet, I, I sort of made my name in the team, yeah. which was, you know, and I played in my first European Championships in 2001, I think it was. Yeah. And I played every game. So it was it was crazy. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy how quickly I sort of, yeah, got my feet, you know. A couple of World Cups crazy. as well you played in, didn't you? Did you play in two yeah. World Cups? Two World Cups, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, been, yeah. And I obviously took a fit four-year period out um, before the uh, World Cup in 2015 in Canada mm. when Mark Sampson called me back into the team, which is another mental moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I thought I was done. Then <laughs> all of a sudden, I get, yeah, like about six months before the World Cup, I get a phone call to come into training again. And I get named in the team to, you know, the squad to go and play in the World Cups. So it was all, yeah. I've had really pinnacle moments within my career. And, you know, yeah. there's always highs and lows and stuff like that. But I've always remained quite positive throughout. And, you know, sometimes it buys. Yeah, no, absolutely. Attitude is uh, attitude is everything, uh, and that probably, you know, maybe brings us more onto the mindset stuff because that's obviously a lot of stuff. What I do, you know, I'm not yeah. a sports psychologist. I, I'm not the kind of person that's going to come along and, um, you know, in crisis. Mm-hmm. I help people kind of do the preventative stuff, the day in day out mindset stuff, working on yourself stuff, personal development, yeah. so that actually, mm-hmm. hopefully, you don't have, um, you know a crisis or you manage yourself better in games yeah. off pitch and on pitch you know improving both sides of your life yeah um was what what's that kind of been like for you do you is it something that just is naturally there and I know we touched on it a little bit um but in terms of sort of managing yourself and your personal growth because attitude is a, is a big thing in life no matter what you do um your mindset is everything if you don't have peace of mind yeah. um then to be honest with you everything can be a, a mess um so how has that been for you did you is there support with that at any point in your career and how do you see things now um in the game I think for me obviously I've always had my family around me so times of struggle um mm. I've had my family and friends to to talk to or to go to um mm. there's obviously always been club support there if, if need be um I think mindset, you know, you set your mind. It is about managing it. I think it is. I think the mindset is about, you know, mm. you, you focus on what you want to do. But if there is a setback or there's, you know, something that affects what you are doing, how mm. you that and how you manage it, I think it's having that structure, isn't it, and that tools in your bag, you know, that you yeah. can manage those certain things and you know mm. how to manage it personally. Or if yeah. someone else knows how to manage it for you, you know, there might be something that someone could say that, you know, switches you in a different direction or changes mm. the way you're thinking about something. Um, but it is important. I think for me, obviously within football, my mindset was always good. I was always there, high or low. You know, I knew I knew who I was. I had my identity. Yeah. I had football. You know, I always said that football was my outlet. I enjoyed playing it. I could switch off and be, that was who I was when I was at football. Brilliant, yeah. Um, then I could be home and be, you know, be mum and be a different person. Mm. But I think it's important that you have that identity. I think <clears throat> retiring for me, obviously, I struggled a bit because I sort of felt like I lost that identity. Mm. You know, I didn't have football anymore, which was my part, my identity. I obviously, I've still got my children, mm. which I love to death, but I lost me in mm. all of it. 
and yeah. I became mum and I didn't have anything else so I was like so it's taken a while obviously, to find that and I'm still obviously developing that but I completely understand why people you know sort of lose the way a little bit because you go from being a professional athlete to you know someone everyone wants to know you and you're in the limelight a lot and stuff like that and then all of a sudden it's like hang on a minute I'm not in a team environment you know I'm not around mm. all the people anymore all of the time I'm not doing what I'm, I know mm. I have to do and for, and I'm familiar with that mm. and then yeah you sort of feel a little bit alone in all of it you're like hang on a minute where am I going to go you know from here and there's not always a straight path to go you know there's not no. always something up for what is next and they say to you get ready for and all that sort of stuff but sometimes you know you get lost in all of it and you get lost along the way and you have to figure that out after and it mm. takes a little bit of a process you know to get to that point how's that journey been for you to figure that out because I think that's that's you know you make a really good point like I said I think earlier on when we first started you know that is something identity and it's good to hear you you saying that you actually you know who you are Mm -hmm. uh you and you you know like I did a talk at an international association on a week ago young footballers and I was talking about that saying you you are not football you are not a footballer you are Jack Jones or whoever you know you have to know who you are as a human being yeah you know, football is something you do, you know, your performance isn't your identity. It doesn't make you X, Y, Z. And it, and for you, it sounds actually you're quite lucky because you kind of get that and you've got that mm-hmm. from the beginning. Football was your outlet. But sadly, yeah. there are many athletes, top athletes, that that's how they define themselves as a footballer, a cricketer, a tennis player. And you can get very lost in that. Um, and life and, and life can become pretty tricky outside yeah. of your your sport. But for you, like I say, it sounds like you you know you had your feet on the ground and you kind of got it. I think I had because I also didn't just have football. I had my children, mm. as I said, they were you know that was then my focus went into them and their football until mm. I sort of found where I needed to be. So I went through football, but through them. Mm obviously i didn't have mine but yeah i think it is important that you still have your own identity whether you're a mom you're an athlete i think it still has to be you have to find you and know what you're about yeah absolutely yeah it's like i said before you know if you can understand who you are as a human being and have that self-awareness and work on that throughout your life then that holds you in better said for actually being a better better performer on the pitch and that's the bit that i talk about and do work around is you know, who are you as a person, as a human being? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? What are your values? Yeah. Understanding your strengths and your weaknesses and evaluating that and mm-hmm. being agile, emotionally agile. Because yeah. when you can get your shit together outside of the game or the pitch or whatever, actually, fundamentally, you'll be a better player. Like yeah. You're an awesome player. But actually, you didn't see yourself as just a footballer. You weren't just yeah. like, I'm a footballer and nothing else. Yeah. Oh, this is me. I'm this person. And this these things make up me. Yeah. Football is just one of them. Oh, and yeah. you were still an amazing, awesome player that's got this glorious career. And I think that's a really great example to lots of young athletes coming through in whatever sport that actually know who you are. Yeah. Know who you are as a human being and you will excel and you, your potential to excel is probably even greater. Oh, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the biggest thing I miss is obviously adrenaline, you know, the the highs and the lows of it, you know, like whereas now you sort of given up and you sit in the middle. Yeah. And then everyone wants to be in the middle. I want to be higher, I want to be lower. I don't want to sit <laughs> that's a boring place to be. So how do you manage it then? How do you manage it now you've retired? Because I still obviously I've got my kids to watch and I love watching them like that adrenaline rush, seeing them play and develop and mm. helping them in their little path, you know, mm. for me is, is amazing. I think for me, I still play. I play I play with a load of of men funny enough in a niner side 
How do you? I'm not in a physical, you know, the physical battle and yeah. stuff like that. And it's funny because even going when I started first playing in this team, obviously the guy that invited me obviously knew who I was, but the rest of them really didn't. Uh, so going in that environment, it's, you know, when they look at you thinking, oh. <laughs> well, within five minutes, I changed because I think I kicked a few of them. I changed their, their mindset, their thought of what they thought about me. <laughs> To see their faces change. I love it. Oh, God, she means it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I ain't here to make up the numbers. <laughs> oh, so you make it so ready. Get your shin pads on. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And I love oh. it. I've, yeah, been put in that situation where they all look at you like, I'm like, yeah, give me five minutes. <laughs> I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I wish I'd been there with a camera. It would have been brilliant. It's brilliant. It is. It, yeah. it made me laugh hard. Oh, brilliant. That's so you, cool. you play in that? Oh, obviously with the... I'm in the group now. I'm in the group. Brilliant. I've made it. You made it, you made it <laughs> after 10 minutes. 10 I've minutes you're in. You're captain. <laughs> you're coaching. I've made it. Yeah. I've made the WhatsApp group. Brilliant. Oh, you've made the WhatsApp group. That's it. You're done. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm on there. It's brilliant. Oh, I love that. What's your sort of aspirations going forward? Because obviously, like I say, you're an ambassador for Chelsea... Do, are you still around the Chelsea team and Emma and stuff and much, or, or how does it, you know, you like yeah, Obviously, because of COVID, no, I haven't really had a lot to, to do um, in going into Cobham or Stamford Bridge. But, yeah, I'm hoping to get back to all that sort of stuff and hoping to get back into the primary schools as well, mm. you know, joining the programmes. I've done a few Zoom bits over the COVID stuff with children and primary mm. schools. There's one actually school that went back we did last week, which was a project, educational project about resilience, mm. stuff like that. Um I'm actually doing a personal training course because I'd like to do pre and postnatal. Ah, oh, amazing. Yeah, awesome. So that's what I'd really like to get into because I know the struggles of that. I know how, you know, how hard it is and that a lot of women struggle with that sort of stuff. And I think, yeah. you know, sometimes personal experience means more than anything else. For sure. Yeah. You know, like I've been through it. I've done it. You know, I know how the body works. I know mm. how you feel. Mm. I know how pregnancy makes you feel. You know, yeah. and I, I have an understanding of all of that. So... That's what I'm trying to pursue at the moment. No, that's amazing. I think you're absolutely right about that whole personal experience counts for everything. That, you know, like I'm known as the real life coach because it's about real life and my real yeah. life experiences yeah. and my personal growth and personal development. It's all stuff that I've learned through experience as well as some studying and, and all of that. And I think that you're absolutely right. That personal level that you can bring to it. You know, nobody really cares about the certificate on the wall. They care about... If you haven't experienced it, have yeah, you not? How exactly. can you tell me if you haven't experienced You know, that's like someone trying to tell you about your children when they haven't got children. Yeah, exactly. How do you know? <laughs> what, from reading? Life yeah. about these. You know, yeah. unless you have a personal experience, then, you know, it's valuable. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Do you not think you'll ever want to sort of do a bit of coaching and stuff? Do you know what? The funny thing is, I've never been one for coaching. It's really funny, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not actually football mad. No. which sounds crazy you know like I'm not like I enjoy football I, I love playing football I enjoy watching odd games of football and stuff like that and people, when I say that to people they're like really I'm like yeah I'm not really football mad no well, which fair is enough. crazy but you know yeah fair enough has never been I mean I try to coach my children but you know, they say don't coach your own kids because they don't listen, and that's very true. Yeah, no, it's true. Kids and kids and animals just don't do it. Don't do it. I, I was pretty nervous about speaking to these young footballers on last week, like I said, but they're sort of not kids. They're just sort of that, just crossing over into the adulthood, and 
uh, yeah, but actually they were all right. <laughs> but any younger than that, I'm, yeah, like oh, no, awesome. All right, I'm really conscious of time, Katie. But um, couple of couple of questions. I guess it would be nice for the listeners is just about, I guess, who you are. You know, away from football and sport, and you know, obviously you're a mum. You've got three boys that keeps you pretty busy. What sort of things do you enjoy doing and getting up to? Obviously, you enjoy going out, sitting in the pub garden when we're allowed to sit in the pub garden. <laughs> a lot of that throughout my career. There's parties and pubs and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I'm going to, yeah, enjoy that once we get back out of this COVID yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, I enjoy doing, you know, nice things, going to the park, you know, the cinema. I love shopping. Mm. You know, just the normal. I don't need nothing extravagant. I'm dying for a holiday. Yes. I'm dying for What's your ideal location then? If you could go anywhere in the world, oh, I've always wanted to go to the Maldives. Always. Ah, okay, yeah. But I think because of this COVID stuff, I'd love to take my kids to Florida. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Love to, yeah. Big yeah. holiday in Florida, do all the theme parks, I think. Yeah, it's a good one. Done that. Yeah. Took my kids when they were little. Yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, that's that on the list. Like that. I mean, yeah. I took my first two, but Riley was quite young, but obviously Zachary's not being, so I'd like to go with all of them. Yeah. And they're at an age now where they'll take it all in. So yeah, nice. Do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Katie, honestly, I have got like, I, pro- I don't think I've even asked half of my questions. Um, but I'm conscious. No, not at all. Not at all. It's probably me talking too much. <laughs> um, so I might have to get it back on another time. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you get your PT certifications, then yeah, maybe get it back yeah, on. And hopefully talk about soon. I was trying to do it for like lockdown. And obviously with homeschooling and stuff like that, it was yeah. I concentrate. I couldn't get my head into it. Take so now I'll yeah, nail it and yeah. get it done. Get it done. No, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Katie. Oh, you're very welcome. Coming along. I really, Great. really appreciate Good it. Fun. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. You've been listening to The Real Life Sports Show. I hope you found some value and joy in this podcast. If you have, then please tell someone else about it. And also, while you're at it, why not leave me a five-star review? Also, you can share it on your socials. You'll find me mostly on Instagram at Sam Adams Coach. You can also check me out at my website, sam-adams.com. Send any comments or any interest in coaching or speaking to my Instagram. Just drop me a DM. I look at all my messages and I respond to every single one of them.